All right, well, welcome to another episode of The Bible Guys. My name is Rick Kleinert, and I'm joined here with Jerry Hollinger. Uh, Jerry, hope you're doing well today. Rick, I'm doing great. Great. Well, we, uh, we got this question submitted to us. Um, and a matter of fact, as, I was, as we were talking about this, I thought, didn't we do this episode already? Um, and then I realized what it was, and I think you remember this. There was one, um, one afternoon and this was the time when we were recording in the afternoons, right after our classes, we'd go over to the recording studio at the college and um, we would record a bunch of eps. And we had, we were there and it was just you and I, we were getting used to this. We we're just new to it. And we recorded like two, at least two, maybe even three episodes. And we were feeling good. We were, I mean, we thought we were, I mean, we were knocking out of the park. And, uh, and then after the obligatory high five of we finished this, we realized we did not have the SD card in the, um, in I guess the soundboard, which tells me how bad I am at this, and uh, none of it was recorded. Yes, I remember. I remember that it was it was it was I just do. two two dudes just chatting it up on the mic, thinking we were changing the world, and <laughs> no one heard it. Um, so we I actually like your re- sermons or oh yeah, accurate, very accurate. <laughs> um, I think that they're better. What is it? It's like being an athlete. The older you get, the better you were. Um, the further you get away from a Sunday sermon, the better it was. No, I was thinking of the Beatles song. Uh, oh, is an Eleanor Rigsby or Rigby? I can't remember. Yeah, Eleanor Rigby. Father McKenzie writing a sermon that no one will hear. I think it is. Oh man! And once again, we we go to the classic rock here at the Bible Guys. I love it. <laughs> um, although now people are treating the Beatles like like easy listening elevator jazz, which really bugs, bugs me. But anyway, back to the Bible guys. Um, so our question was, what is the unpardonable sin in Matthew 12? Um, and so kind of to give our listeners some context, you probably know if you're a listener, what we're talking about here. This is found in Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to go ahead and read the text in its context, but I'm going to start in verse 22 um, of the chapter. I think that helps us with the context. And I'm going to be reading on the NET today, the New English Translation. Uh, you and I have talked about Fancy. good translation, like it a lot. Um, not a sponsor, but we're willing to take offers. So if you're listening, NET, we're, we're ready to jump on the bandwagon. So here we go. It says, Then they brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Jesus healed him so that, the, so that he could speak and see. All the crowds were amazed and said, Could this one be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, he does this, or he does not cast out demons except by the power of Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. Now, when Jesus realized what they were thinking, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is destroyed, and no town or house divided against itself will stand. So if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges." But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has already overtaken you. How else can someone enter a strong man's house and steal his property unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can thoroughly plunder the house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. For this reason, I I tell you, people will be forgiven for every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. 
So what do we got going on there in that passage is the questions, and there's a lot going on there. We could spend a couple eps on just that passage, but focus on that last part. What is he talking about? What is this sin that cannot be forgiven in this age or in the age to come? I think a good way to start is to answer that negatively, what Jesus doesn't mean, because there, there's been so much vague teaching on the unpardonable sin that I think... I was one of them early, early on in my life. And I think there are other people absolutely paranoid that they've committed this sin. And I've heard a litany of possibilities from murder to homosexuality, to divorce, to murder. I don't know if I already said that. Yeah. Uh, like either committing one of those or maybe a sin that pe a person persistently has committed. And they just keep doing it and doing it. And they think either they're unsaved and they are in an unpardonable state because they've done one of these things. Or I've also found that you can have a Christian with a very weak sense of assurance and they might fall into something like this and they will think, well, I've lost, I've lost my salvation. So I think it's important at the outset to say that it's none of those things I've mentioned. And um, I, th I think we really have to address what Jesus does mean in the Matthew 12 text. Or, you know, we're just going to have a lot of sleepless nights about our eternal condition. Yeah. And when I, t when I look at this passage, so I re started reading in verse 22, uh, the overall context is Jesus is casting out, uh, a, he's healing a demon-possessed man who the demon possession is causing him to be to be blind and to be mm -hmm. unable to speak. And so, and if you look at the reaction, uh, people are amazed, you know, uh, it's a really cruel word. Verse 23, that sometimes it's translated as that they're out of their minds with amazement. They've never seen anything like this. And so the Pharisees, they respond in jealousy. Like, oh, he, he, he's doing this by demonic power. He, he, he's not like us at all. He's not like us. And so Jesus responds and I dig Jesus's style here because he just, knows how to handle the debate. He, he really takes care of it. When he says, hey, hey guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. Why would I, if I'm, if I'm doing this in Satan's power, why would I, why would I cast out Satan? Mm -hmm. that, that's not going to make sense. It's going to fall apart. Um, and then, and then he goes against them and says, okay, all right. So if I'm doing this in Satan's power, how are you guys doing it? How are your, you know, how are, how are the people you're training? How do they do this? Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, uh, he goes right into again, the argument that it would not make sense for him to be working under the power of Satan by, and casting out Satan's minions, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to the point. Yeah. And essentially they're accusing him of being demon possessed. And, um, and I think if I could back up something you said at the very beginning, which I think is really the crux of the whole understanding of this is when the crowds see these miracles, the question they ask, which again, I think is the key to understanding this, they say, is not this the son of David? Hmm. And that was a messianic title. And so when they see all of these miracles take place, you know, which people can read about in Matthew 8 and 9, really these are, these are foretastes of what the kingdom will be like. And the kingdom in Matthew God, Matthew's gospel is the same kingdom that was promised and described in the Old Testament. It was that earthly reign of Messiah. 
And so here are the people, they're seeing all of this, all of this evidence that, wow, okay, this person is different. And so they ask the question, is this the Messiah? Is this the son of David? Is this the one promised who will sit on David's throne and rule over the nations? So that at once puts this into this narrow context of what's happening at this point in history and what the concern is. Is this the Messiah? Is this one who is going to rule on David's throne? And then, as you said, the, the religious leaders are beside themselves. They're jealous. And so they've got to, they can't deny the miracles occurred. So they have to find some alternate explanation as to why this person cannot be Messiah. And then, then I like as you went through that too, you, you know, Jesus gives this defense of himself which really is the most lengthy defense he gives of anything in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. And so when he ends up, he, he turns it to them. Now he says, okay, look, you guys had your moment um, to, to accuse me of being demon-possessed and, and, or under the power of Satan to do these works. And that's when we, he gets them with the, what happens in verse 31, saying, God, for this reason, that's why that verse, you know, any T translates it as for this reason, other verses mm -hmm. or other translations might say, therefore, meaning, hey, right above that, hey, if you're not with me, you're against me. And you guys are, he's telling the Pharisees, you're telling me right now, you're showing me right now, you're against me. There is no, you're not on my side. You're not even in the middle ground. You're, you're, you're against me because you've now put me in the camp of the enemy. You've, you've said, I'm with Satan doing this. He says, okay, boys. And I'm paraphrasing from the Kleiner translation. He's like, all right, boys, let me just be real with you for a minute. What you just did, he goes, you know, people are going to be forgiven of every sin, but what you, what you just did was, was too far because of what they're accusing him of. Right. Which is why uh, when we talk about what the unpardonable sin is, and he says specifically, it's your, he goes, you can speak a word against the son of man, but what you're doing is you're attributing the work of the spirit in my life and ministry Jesus is saying, you're saying the work of the spirit is not the work of the spirit. It's the work of the devil. Mm -hmm. And, and that's too far fellas. Mm -hmm. So now it comes into the discussion of, is this something, uh, is there a 21st century or is there a equivalent now after the life of Jesus, uh, his, his life and ministry, is there equivalent of that now? Is that something that can happen today? Yeah, my, my opinion, and, and it's funny when I've talked about this in other contexts, there are always people who object to this, um, but I, I always think they're not quite understanding or I'm communicating unclearly what I mean. But as I said, I don't think this sin is, can be committed today. And the way I would explain it is, again, that question of the multitudes, is this the son of David? Really, they're taking that to the religious leaders because they look to them for spiritual guidance, and the religious leaders would be speaking on behalf of the nation. And when Jesus comes claiming to be the Messiah, he doesn't just say, oh, I'm the Messiah, but there are a lot of things testifying to that claim. Sometimes he appeals to the Scripture. Sometimes he appeals to his Father. Sometimes he appeals to his works. So, he has laid out all of these uh, proofs of his claims, and the religious leaders keep rejecting every one of them. And they're now at the last bit of evidence. 
And now they reject this and there's nowhere to go for them. So this has put, in my opinion, the nation of Israel in an unpardonable state. The nation of Israel, that generation, which rejected Jesus' claims and offered the, and his offer of the kingdom, they now are in an unpardonable state, and this now will lead to the judgment of AD 70 on Jerusalem. So that's an important point to make. So sometimes when we interpret a passage of Scripture, we will immediately read it and, and divorce it from all context and try to find a application for today right away. Um, but we need to understand, okay, like you've said, the purpose that Matthew wrote this gospel was to sh show that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And it's also to show here in this passage, we're seeing here, it's not so, this passage wasn't written to show, hey guys, there's a sin you can commit, you better not do it. Uh -huh. um, it's to show judgment is coming upon this generation because of their rejection of the Messiah, the son of David, when he appeared. Um, so that would lead me, and that's where I'm at too. I always tell students, this is some, this isn't anything you can do today because number one, this is talking about Israel. This is talking about the early, or sorry, that generation that's referenced constantly in Matthew, that generation that rejected Messiah, not the whole nation, because many of the, I mean, the first Christians were Jewish, but that because the Pharisees represented, um, they were like the leaders, they were the, the mm -hmm. spiritual guides. Um, that was the context, or that was the concept that was happening in this passage. Yeah, and I, I think that's something so important to emphasize, which you uh, hit on here, is we're not saying that in the first century, from this point forward, individual Jews couldn't be saved. I mean, any Jew personally could be saved who trusted in the Messiah. Again, we're talking about a national sin. And you made a really good point uh, before we started recording this that I think maybe it'd be good for you to expand on in terms of if somebody can commit a sin today that puts them in an unpardonable state, that really has ramifications regarding the atonement. Yeah, because uh, commonly how this is interpreted and understood is, hey, there might be something I've done that's that's too far, in the uh -huh. sense that I can't I can't get forgiveness from. Maybe I'm, and I get this uh, doing with with counseling and stuff. You you might have that person who says, Man, I'm just too, I've done too much. To me, that I have to always remind myself, but also remind others. And to say that is to say that's something Jesus His atonement didn't cover. So now you're attacking the, the all-sufficiency of the atonement, mm -hmm. um, that, that when Christ said it is complete, it is finished, it is accomplished, it's done, it's taken care of, not, all right, I, I got majority um, or anything like that. It's, it's all covered. Mm -hmm. This is why we as um, in the you know, uh, Protestant separatist uh, persuasion, we believe in a full atonement. We believe that there, mm -hmm. that Christ's death on the cross was both all of my past, present, and future sins. It was a complete atonement. And um, and to say that there's anything that I can do that that Christ can't forgive is to, in my opinion, insult the work of Christ on the cross. Yeah, and I think it not only covers the type of sin, but the number yes. of sins. And I know you do a lot of counseling, and I'm sure something you run into a lot is, you know, people that have addictive issues, 
and they may commit the same sin over and over and over. And obviously that can wreak havoc with your assurance. So the atonement covers not only this sin, this sin, this sin, but this sin, no matter how many times you may commit it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once God has declared us righteous, you know, it doesn't, there's nothing that can undo that legal declaration. So obviously, we're not suggesting any kind of loose living. But on the other hand, we need to take comfort in the fact that any sin we might commit or commit numerous times, that does not take us out of the realm of God's work for us. This is where I counsel myself more than anybody um, because, no, me too. because of the idea of justification, the, dec- the declaration of righteousness. I've been declared yeah. right, but I'm not. I've been declared exactly. righteous, but I'm not righteous yet. Right. I will be made perfectly righteous when, when, when he returns. However, I'm still living in the time between the declaration and the full, you know, he makes me righteous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to sin. I'm going to make mistakes. So I always have to remind myself. And then I remind others when they say, man, I, just, I can't believe I did that. I, I can, because yeah. you're just like Martin Luther taught us. You are at the same time, both an angel and a monster at the same time. Yeah. Um, you, you're both that way. That's what the doctrine of justification is, that you you are a sinner still who has mm-hmm. been declared righteous. Um and boy, we can get into a whole can of worms with with issues on on legalism versus you know what's true about progressive sanctification. Um, I'm I'm just reminded by C.S. Lewis's words. C.S. Lewis he says to the phrase uh, to this topic he says that he meant what he said. Those who pursue him, and I'm paraphrasing, those who pursue him will be like him, um, but that won't happen in this life. And then he uses the phrase because death is an important part of the treatment. So he uses mm-hmm. that idea, but we won't be perfectly like Christ in this life that comes in the kingdom. Um, yeah. But we are to pursue this in progressive growth or what we call progressive sanctification as we submit to God's word, as we, with our, with his power, with his spirit living in us, helping us to do his will, helping us to obey, helping us to be more like him. That's what the Christian life, I, in my opinion, is all about. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a process and we're going to fall a lot of times but we can never fall into an unpardonable state once we have trusted Christ. Right. Well, thank you again for that question. Sorry we didn't get to it uh, last year, um, but due to technical difficulties to two uh, novice podcasters, I'm going to blame myself because I was the one that was supposed to bring that SD card. Um, we, uh, we missed it, but I think this one was better. We probably were. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you had a question for us, if you want to reach out to us, please go ahead and submit your uh, questions to us. Remember, your questions fuel this podcast. You can email us those questions at BibleGuysPodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at BibleGuysPod. We're also on Twitter at the same uh, handle, at BibleGuysPod. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Bible Guys so you can listen to us on your favorite listening stations. For Jerry Hollinger, I'm Rick Kleinard. We'll see you next time. 